um, Leslie informed me this week that Snowdrop Ministries has some new followers. She received a report in her email that said some people began following us from Rwanda this week. Uh, there were some from China. Uh, there were some new followers from Ireland. And I'm grateful that they're following us, but quite frankly, I don't know them. And I probably will never get to meet them. And, but still, they follow me. And on their page, I'm listed as a friend, and I like that. My daughter, Kendall, posted some pictures on Instagram this week, and she said, Mom, I'm going to post it right now, so go on and like it. And so I went on, I was waiting for the pictures to post, and the second it came up, she immediately had 579 likes. And I'm like, I don't even have that many followers. And she got that in seconds. And so I said to her, Kendall, how many followers do you have? And she said, oh, you know, probably 2,000. And, and I'm like, you don't even know 2,000 people. And she said, Actually, I do thank you, and, um, but I thought, how is that possible that, you, that people are following you and liking your picture who you don't even know? This past weekend, Leslie and I were clowning around on Snapchat, and uh, we were wasting time with the fillers, <laughs> with the filters, and um, I took this frightening picture of her uh, with a filter that gave her a bald head and a goatee and a mustache. And we laughed till the tears rolled down our cheeks. And then I decided that I would send it to her daughter, Haley, so that she could have a good laugh, too. And so I promptly went to the people that I follow on Snapchat, and I pulled up Haley Jessup. And uh, Leslie was intrigued. And she's like, you know, I didn't even know you follow Haley. I didn't even know Haley had a Snapchat. And I'm like, oh, yes, she does. And I'm kind of smug. And I, I press send and forward that gross picture. I mean, it was a gross picture to Haley. And in the meantime, Leslie was texting Haley, and she said, Hales, I didn't know that you were on Snapchat. And Haley's like, I'm not. <laughs> and I was mortified because I thought I was following our Haley Jessup when apparently I was following a stranger <laughs> that I didn't even know. And, and you have no idea how many times I've sent her pictures. And just recently, I sent her a video, and I was like, hey, girlfriend, just want you to know I miss you, and I love you so much. <laughs> I wish I was lying, but I'm not. <laughs> and I tell you all those things to tell you that sometimes we follow Jesus like that. We think we're following him, but we're not. Or like Kendall's followers, we follow him, but we don't even know him. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I follow some people because I'm curious about their life. I have this pastor's wife who I really like a lot. She's super sweet and, and loving, and I'm intrigued with her, and I want to know what's going on in her private life. And so I follow her because I get to see what her kitchen looks like, and I get to see, you know, what she wears on her days off. And, and, and I'm kind of like a, I have a voyeur relationship with her where I get to just, she doesn't even know me. She doesn't know me from Adam, and yet I get to spy in on her life life and, and learn about her at a distance. Sometimes we're like that with Jesus, where we follow him at a distance and we want to learn about him, but we don't even know him. And some of us are like the relationship with Haley, where we think we're following him, but then one day wake up and realize it wasn't him at all. 
And tonight, we're going to look at a passage where Jesus tells us what it really means to follow him. With all of this social media, I listed three, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, we have an, a wrong idea what being a follower really looks like. And so Jesus is going to give us some insight from his word tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, we're going to read verses 34 through 38. There is a, this text is paralleled in Matthew 16, 24 through 28, and Luke 9, 23 through 26. But uh, we're going to look at Mark's version tonight. But would you just pray with me before we begin? Father, I, I want more than anything in this entire world for your people for me to encounter you at a level we never have before. Lord, I have no interest in just preaching a message tonight. I desperately want your words to penetrate our hearts and our minds, and I'm mindful, Lord, that that is a work of your grace. And so I'm asking you, Father, would you grace us with revelation tonight? Would you grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better? And Lord, would you just have mercy on us tonight? And, uh, and, and, and would you let your word that you promise is living and active and never returns void, would you let it pierce mindsets and hardened hearts and, and grief-stricken hearts and broken hearts? And would you just penetrate us tonight with your word? And would you change us and transform us? I'm mindful, Father God, that this is nothing I can do. And so I'm asking you to have mercy, to fill me afresh and anew with your sweet Holy Spirit, to make my words like a sharpened sword, like a pen in the hand of a skillful writer. To let your words have life in this place tonight. And anything that's not from you, I pray, would fall to the ground and die and be swept away. And that only your words and your truth would remain in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus says in one of my favorite passages, he said, this is eternal life. How many of you can finish that verse for me? He said, this is eternal life that what? You may know me. This is eternal life that you know me. Uh, we, we've really dumbed down what is eternal life. We've made it into a prayer that we can pray to get to heaven. But Jesus himself gives the definition of eternal life. He says, this is eternal life, that you know me, that you have intimate knowledge of me, that, that you're not just a follower at, at a distance, that you follow me as a friend and, and that you know me intimately because you see, what, when we know him, we will become like him. And this, he says, is eternal life, that, that we know him. I, I'm just going to tell you, and I, I feel very, I feel like I have the heart of God here, that, that God did not create us to be angry. He, he didn't create us to live offended. He didn't create us to be full of anxiety or to live ticked off. He, he didn't create us to need validation from, from man and to be affirmed and noticed. He, he created us to know him. 
And he said, and when you know me, you will find life. That is the place of life. It's not in a bigger house or a nicer car or a better spouse. It's not in being thinner or or more successful. It's not in the amount of money you have in the bank. It's not in, in, in how many people make you happy and who didn't offend you this week. That is not where we find life. He said, this is where you find life. This is eternal, everlasting life, life that can't be interfered with when you know me. And yet we allow those things, whether somebody offends us, somebody hurts us, somebody does us dirty, we allow those to drain us of life. We allow those things that, 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 that cause anxiety or fear or the, the, those things are, are the determination on whether or not we feel life. And we have to call those things dead. We have to choose to crucify the flesh. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about tonight in Mark chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 34. And when he, Jesus, had called the people to himself. I I love that. I, I could stop right there and just preach a sermon on Jesus calling people to himself. But when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires. This is in red. I, I think sometimes one of, these, one of these years I'm going to preach just a series on everything in red because I, I think sometimes we, we don't really pay attention like we should. This is my Jesus speaking. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is the creator of the universe. This is the giver of life. Uh, this is him speaking. And he says, whoever desires to come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. I want to read that to you in a different translation just because it spoke to my heart so deeply. Jesus had his disciples and the crowd gather around him, and he said to them, if you truly want to follow me, not, not, uh, not social media follow, but if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely disown your life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually, somebody say continually, as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you let your life go for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will continually experience true life. But if you choose to keep your life for yourself, you will forfeit what you try to keep. For what use is it to gain all the wealth and the power of this world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life? And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? 
If you are ashamed of me and my words while living among sinful and faithless people, then I, the Son of Man, will also be ashamed of you when I make my appearance with my holy messengers in the glorious splendor of my Father. Uh, I love this. Uh, uh, Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, it's not about pushing follow on Facebook. It's not about just being one of my followers on Instagram. It's not about showing up on Sunday morning and say, I am a follower of Jesus. He said, if you want to follow me, here's what it's going to look like. You're going to deny yourself. You're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me. Because if you desire to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, to obey me, to surrender to my word for the sake of the gospel, you are going to find life abundant because this is eternal life, (laughs) that you know me, that you know me. I I always tell you it's vital that we keep a text in context, and and I hate to pick up just in one verse in the middle of a chapter and and not tell you what's in the rest of the chapter, and so I want to go back just for a moment. Uh, We can go back to um, verse 27. Uh, Jesus uh, is is with his disciples in in the town of Caesarea Philippi, and and they're on the road, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says to them, who do the people say I am? What are the crowds saying about me? And, and, and so they answered. And by the way, I just love this. This is just a side note. But the crowds didn't get who Jesus was. And some of you, people don't get you. They, they don't get you. They, they don't even like you. Can I tell you, you can't look like me. You can't act like me. And people get you. They, people don't get me. People, people like, they, there's somebody came up to me one Sunday morning and said, you know, I got to tell you that I judged you. I sat in judgment of you sitting beside your husband, the pastor. And, and I looked at you and I made a judgment about you. You, and then you stepped in the pulpit, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, she knows Jesus. And you see, we make judgments about people. It's, it's probably why I look the way I do. I just want to throw people off. I, I just like it. I like to take people out of their religious. Oh, can I tell you how much I hate religion? I, I hate it. I hate somebody that can say, you sat beside your husband, the pastor, looking the way you look, and I made a judgment about you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Because you see, the Jesus I serve, he does not look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And can I tell you about my heart? You may say a lot of things about me, but my heart is not one of them that you can attack. So Jesus says, who do people say I am? And and they answered him and say, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, the others say one of the prophets. But Jesus said, but who do you? I'm interested in what you think. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered him and he said, you are the Christ. And and, and that means you're the Messiah. We recognize you as the one we've been waiting for. You are the son of God. And, and, And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood didn't tell you that. You got that from revelation, from being with the father. The father told you that. And he's commending Peter. Do you just love that? And then all of a sudden, he he goes on and and the scripture says that that he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected and be crucified. And after three days, he'll rise again. And all of a sudden, the same man who, who said, who recognized him by supernatural revelation, recognized him as the Son of God. Now that same man who just a few minutes earlier had a supernatural revelation, now that man says to him, the Bible says he pulled Jesus aside 
side, when Jesus said he told him that he would suffer many things and be crucified, Peter objected. He pulled him aside and he began to rebuke him. And the word rebuke there means he continuously rebuked him. He had something to say about that because you see, Peter had a revelation that Jesus was the Messiah and the Jews had a picture of what the Messiah was going to look like. He was going to come in glory and he was going to, just, he was going to save the world and, and, and he was going to reign in glory and that was their picture. And, and here Jesus is coming and they've recognized him now as the Messiah and Jesus is saying, you know what? Here's my glory. It's going to come in suffering. It's going to come in dying. That's what brings glory. Can I tell you that that has not changed, church? What brings glory is suffering and dying and, and being able to sacrifice yourself for the sake of another. Peter didn't like that any more than we do. And so Peter rebuked him. And Jesus, I love this, Jesus looks at him and he says, Get behind me, Satan, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of this world. People say, well, did he call Peter Satan? He was saying, you are under the influence. Because you see, a backtrack to, to the temptation of Jesus, uh, where, where Satan takes Jesus up on a big mountaintop, and he says, all of this can be yours. You can have all this glory. I'll give you all this glory. You can have glory. And here's, a, here's an easy way out, Jesus. You don't have to go to the cross. I can give it to you now. Just bow down and worship me. There's a shortcut to glory, Jesus, and it can be yours. And Jesus said, he begins to quote scripture. And he doesn't buy into what Satan is trying to entice him with. And, and the reason he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, is because now Satan has found, the Bible says that in the temptation, Satan left him for a more opportune time. This is an opportune time. Jesus is going to go to the cross. He knows that he has to suffer, be crucified, be rejected and die. And the snake slithers in again, but this time it's not as a serpent. This time it's through the mouth of a disciple who just a few minutes earlier had divine revelation. Does that bother anybody besides me? That the same disciple who had supernatural revelation that Jesus commended him for hearing from God in a few minutes later could so use his mouth to be a spokesperson for the enemy. Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of this world. Can I tell you, Satan hates when we make a confession of faith. Peter had made a confession of faith, and the enemy immediately came to oppose that. Jesus said, you don't have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of, of the world. And I read that this week, and, and I thought to myself, isn't that how I, I can be sometimes? I, I, I lose sight of the things of God, and I, I focus on the things of this world because I'm looking for comfort. Peter was looking for comfort. Jesus, we want you to be the Messiah. We want you to rule and reign. We want you to save your people, to deliver your people. But certainly, what is all this talk about death, Jesus? Certainly, it's not going to come that way. There's got to be a better way, a way of comfort, a way of uh, just love glory can we just go in glory can we say we are followers of Jesus and the parades come and you be the king who rescues the world certainly it's not about dying Jesus is it 
He said, Peter, you're focused on the ways of the world. That's how the world does it. But my ways, my way to glory is through suffering. My way to deliverance and resurrection is by dying. I had to ask myself, do I have in mind the things of God or am I diverted by the comforts of this world? Am I seeking first the kingdom of God or am I seeking my comfort and my desire not to suffer? Jesus was saying, I have in mind obedience to the Father and becoming a sacrifice for many. And that's why Jesus issues this invitation because he's saying any follower of mine will have the same things in mind. That is the context that this passage is set in. Notice verse 34, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples. I I want you to see that he summoned the people to himself. He obviously had something important that he wanted to say, and so he called the people to his side. And in Luke's version of this story, uh, Luke tells us that he had just come from praying, that Jesus had just come from praying. He had been alone, getting a download from the Father. And after emerging from that place of prayer and hearing from the Father, they they He called the crowds to himself so he could convey the message that he had heard from the Father. I love that. Can I just tell you that that you've, you've been sitting under my ministry for years. You know that I talk all the time about my time with Jesus in the morning and how I can't wait to get up and be in his word in a sweet time. And I've loved it. And that's been the story of my life. But just recently, he's changed it. He's called me to himself in a different way. I've had this, I go down in the morning and I get my cup of coffee and I turn off all the lights and I sit in front of the fireplace and it's just me and Jesus and I begin to talk to him. I have a lot on my mind lately and I begin to talk to him and just tell him about what's going on in my life and and just just interact with him and I wait for him to talk to me and I listen for him to talk to me and, and it's just sweet time and some mornings I don't even get in the word and I'm like, Lord, I don't like that. I want to be in your word and he's like, this is where I have you right now. I want to talk to you. I want to download in you. I, 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 want, I want you to talk to me. And that's what Jesus was doing. He had been praying to the Father. And from that place, he, he was equipped to begin to speak into his disciples and issue this instruction that he had gotten from the Father. So he called the people, notice, the people to himself. Not just the disciples, because if it had just been the disciples here, we could all say this was just for them. You know, it wasn't for us. We don't have to deny ourselves. We don't have to, to take up our cross, and, and we don't have to follow. We can press like on Facebook. But it was, he called the people and the disciples to himself, the crowds That word, he called the people unto himself. The word unto denotes union. I want to read this directly out of the Greek dictionary because it was so powerful. That word unto means by association, companionship, resemblance, possession. It it includes completeness. I I just want to tell you that spoke to my heart so much. He calls us unto himself. He calls us to be united, to be one with him, to have intimacy with him. Can I tell you, we are not complete. It says to completeness. We are not complete outside of a relationship with him. One of the definitions is resemblance, and and I love that because he wants us to resemble him. And when, when when we go to him, when we're united in union and intimacy with him, we come out of that starting to resemble him a little bit more. Look at verse 34b. He said to them, whoever desires to come after, after me, let him deny himself. 
The NASB uh, says, if, and notice the if there. I'm giving this to the whole crowd, Jesus said, and, and I'm aware that not everybody's going to buy into this. I, I understand that not everybody's going to do this. And so if, if anyone wishes to come after me, that word wishes is not like the word wish today. You know, when somebody blows out the birthday cake candles and you say make a wish, it's not that kind of wish. That word wish means to have in mind, here's my favorite, to be resolved, to be determined, to take delight in. Can I, can I ask you, do you, are you determined? Are you resolved to come after him, to follow him? It actually means an act of the will to follow Jesus. It, it refers to exercising one's will with the underlying sense to be willing to apply oneself to something. Uh, oh, I could park there and preach. I have to be willing to apply myself. It's not just I wish this. I wish I could be a better follower. It means I'm going to resolve it. I'm going to be determined to be a follower. I'm going to apply my will to this thing. I'm going to exercise my will to follow him. It's not simply a desire, one commentator says. It's a determined and constant exercise of the will. It's a choice day by day to follow him. The word is actually used in John chapter 5, verse 40, and it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, you search, this is Jesus again speaking. He says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing, that's the word, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You haven't determined that you're going to pursue me with everything you have. You haven't decided that you're going to exercise your will to come passionately after me. You have not determined. You're not willing to come after me so that you could have life. Where do we find life? It's in pursuit of him. It's in relationship to him and no place else. You might be sitting here tonight. Leslie and I were talking about this the other morning. We were praying, and, and, and I, I was telling her about the scripture, and she said, Rhea, there, there are people that, that really say, I, I am willing to come after him. I, I, I do exercise my will. But she said when they wake him up, that when the Lord wakes them up at 5 in the morning, they'd sooner sleep in than exercise their will and get out of bed. Or when somebody does you dirty, you want to slap someone silly and feel sorry for yourself and give them the silent treatment instead of exercising your will to follow him and obey his command to forgive freely and deeply and from the heart. No wonder we don't have life. Instead, we're keeping a record of wrongs and we're saying, they said this to me, they did this to me, I don't like them, and we wonder why we don't have life. Because it's an exercise of the will to go after him, to follow him, to obey his word, to surrender to his will for our life. That is the place we find life. The idea is coming to him as a disciple, as one who obeys his commands and follows him in obedience. Karen's skit, I loved it because it, it, it showed that picture so much. We, we want to do it, we just want a nicer cross. We, we don't want it to involve death. We, we want to dress it up and put some gems on it and there has to be a better way. Verse 34b, let him deny himself. That word deny means, I love this, to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone, to disown, 
Remember Peter, uh, when Jesus was about to be crucified, Jesus was arrested and, and, and he's in the courtyard and they say, hey, that's one of his followers right there. And what does Peter say? I, I don't know that man. And, and the Bible says he denied him. That's the word. It means I, I have no association with him. I, I'm completely disowning him. And that's what Jesus, that's the word that Jesus uses when he said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to deny yourself. Deny yourself. It means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one, one's own interest. It's a very strong word. The Amplified says, if anyone intends to come after me, let him deny himself, forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight of himself and his own interests. It means he will say no to himself to his out-of-control emotions, to his selfish desires, to his fleshly yearnings, and instead choose to say yes to the commands and the instructions of Jesus Christ. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. To forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. It means to, to refuse to recognize or acknowledge. That means when my flesh rises up and says, take offense to that, you say, mm, I'm denying that. I'm denying that flesh. When my flesh rises up and says, be hurt by that, nope, mm, sorry, you don't win. I'm denying it. I, I'm pushing that down in. I'm crucifying that thing. When your flesh rises up and it says, you get angry about that and have the last word, you say, nope, I'm following Jesus. I'm obeying his commands. I'm merciful. I'm forgiving, I'm loving, I'm kind, I'm long-suffering. It means to dethrone yourself. It means to stop living for yourself and your comforts and your desires anymore. And I want you to hear me if you miss everything else I say tonight. I want you to see that this is a requirement for following Jesus. Rhea's not saying this. This is in red. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Here, I think, is the problem. That even though it's in red, even though we know it's truth, even though we know that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent, that he's not sorry for saying what he said, even though we know all that here, we don't really believe it. Because if we really believe that this was Jesus saying, this is how you follow me, this is what it looks like, we would do it. And yet we justify not doing it. To deny oneself implies that we will refuse to recognize and acknowledge our own will and desires and seek God's will and walk in obedience to his word. It's choosing to lose ourselves that we sell out for him. But we are in a culture that is teaching us, even from the pulpit, we are, we are preaching a gospel message that exalts self. And, and, and we, we are in a culture uh, that, that, it, that likes to indulge self instead of deny it. Christianity can become all about us instead of all about him. Even our worship songs today are more about what he can do for us than, than what we can do in worship to him. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. That word deny is in the aorist imperative. Let me tell you what that means. The imperative, Friday morning people, is what? A command. Aorist expresses urgency. It calls for a specific, definite, decisive choice to say no to self. 
It's a command from Jesus to disown self. Notice you're not denying yourself something. How many of you grew up, I grew up with a mama that every Lent we would give something up. And, and it usually was something I really wanted. <laughs> and she'd say, Rhea, if it doesn't cost you anything, it's not worth giving up. And, and so I'd have to give up something I really, really didn't want to give up. And, and, and it, I denied myself something. Are you with me? Notice this isn't denying yourself something. It's denying yourself. Warren Wiersbe says, denying self is not the same as self-denial. We practice self-denial when for a good purpose we occasionally give up things or activities. But we deny self when we surrender ourselves to Christ and determine to obey his will no matter what. Barclay says to deny self means in every moment of life to say no to self and yes to God. To deny oneself means once, finally, and for all to dethrone self and to enthrone God. To deny oneself means to obliterate self as the dominant principle of life and to make God the ruling principle, more the ruling passion of life. The life application commentary says to deny self means to surrender immediate material gratification in order to discover and secure one's true self and God's interests. It's a willingness to let go of self, selfish desires and earthly security. It means to take you off the throne, me off the throne, and put God on it. Do you know what that means when we put God on the throne? He's Lord. He's King. That means whatever he says we do. You are on the throne of my life. You rule. You reign. And I will do what you tell me to do. This is not about salvation. This is about finding life. Do you see the difference? There are a ton of people that, that are saved and going to heaven, but, but they don't know life. They don't know victory. And it's because we're not doing what Jesus has told us to do. It's about absolute surrender to the Lordship of, of Jesus Christ. Denying yourself includes overcoming the persistent fleshly demands of the body, also known as the carnal self or the natural man, and bringing them into submission to God's word so that you don't give in to sin. Self-denial for the Christian means renouncing oneself as the center of existence. I love that because sometimes I can be the center of existence. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2, many of you are familiar with this scripture. It says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful and unholy. In the, in the last days, this is what it's going to look like. You're going to be a lover of self. You're not going to care what God's word says. You're going to do whatever pleases you. And I promise you that is the way to death. Let's take a look at the rest of that verse. Take up the cross and follow me, Jesus says. What does Jesus mean when he says take up the cross? It might be easy to explain to you what he doesn't mean by that. He doesn't, I've heard this. How many of you have heard I'm carrying my cross? My, my cross is that husband that I'm dealing with. It's just my cross to bear. <laughs> It isn't your husband or your wife 
It isn't the difficult person that you're dealing with at work. It isn't your wayward child or your health issue. It isn't your mother-in-law or your drug-addicted child. It isn't that person who pushes all your buttons or who has hurt you deeply. Your cross to bear isn't your difficulties or the bad situations you face in life. The cross is a place of death. When Jesus was, was speaking to those hearers in that crowd, they would have immediately known what he meant. You see, it, it, at that time, it was not unusual on the streets to see somebody come down the street carrying a cross, and they knew immediately what was next for that person. It was going to be a place of crucifixion, a place of death. They knew that the cross was a place of execution, a place of torture, and so when Jesus said, take up your cross, they knew immediately what he was talking about. There was no question in their mind what he was saying. He was saying, get ready to die. Can you imagine his disciples? It was already difficult enough for them to hear that Jesus, remember, Peter rebuked Jesus because he said he was going to have to suffer and die a cruel death. And now Jesus was telling those same disciples, get this Peter, big guy, you need to die too. If you want to follow me, take up your cross. It's going to involve suffering for you. It's going to involve death for you, Peter. Taking up the cross meant his followers had to be prepared to obey God's word and follow his will no matter what the consequences for the sake of the gospel. The cross was painful. That word take up the cross or that statement take up the cross again is in the imperative. It, it, it is a command to do it and to do it now. Luke's version says take up your cross daily. You see, Jesus is commanding his disciples and us to die daily to our selfish desires, to our fleshly ones, and instead, of, instead follow Jesus and his ways. You're going to say to me, Rhea, you're taking all the fun out of life. Can I tell you, I have lived both sides of this coin. I, I have lived looking for life in all the wrong places. People say to me, Rhea, why do you preach the way you preach? Because I am telling you I'm passionate about this message. I want to spare people pain. I have experienced pain because I looked in all the wrong places for life, and it only brought me death, and I have found life and life abundant. And call me kooky, call me whacked out, call me whatever you want to call me, but I'm telling you the secret to life, and it's found in Jesus. It's found in doing things his way, not our way. So following him and obeying him is a daily decision in our life, but the Christian life is a life of sacrifice, not moments of sacrifice, but a life lived minute by minute, willing to give yourself up for another. The Christian life should be one where a Christian lives more concerned with others than with his own comfort. I, I, I want to find that scripture because we're studying on Friday mornings uh, the scripture. Uh, we're studying the book of Philippians. And, and we read a scripture in Philippians that spoke to our hearts so deeply. And it says, let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking a form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That same book of Philippians says, treat others better than yourselves. What if we live that way? 
What if we live putting others and their needs before ours? Mimicking what we saw Jesus do. While we were yet still sinners, we weren't even sorry. Can I tell you, this is profound love. This is profound sacrifice. I was not even sorry for what I did. I, I, I was still an enemy of his when he died for me. When he, when he sacrificed for me so that I could have life and have it more abundantly. And he calls us, uh, if we're going to be followers and not pressing follow on Facebook, but if we're going to be followers and mimic and imitate his example, we have to deny self. We have to die to what we want for the sake of another. We have to sacrifice for the good of another. This is not a one-and-done surrender. It's a daily moment-by-moment decision. A decision to pursue his word and not our selfish desires. I love this. Uh, I heard uh, hmm, Lisa Bevere years ago say this. She said, the cross, when, when Jesus says take up the cross, we need to understand it's an order, not an ornament. She said, we wear a cross around our neck like it's an ornament, but we need to understand when Jesus said take up the cross, it wasn't putting on a necklace. He was calling us. He was giving us an order, a summons to die. Remember the context in which Jesus issues this invitation to follow him. He's saying, follow me. This is what it looks like. Deny self and die. And Jesus invites every one of us to follow him. But those who desire, who wish to follow him, have to be willing to meet these two requirements. To deny self and to take up the cross. Following Christ doesn't mean walking behind him. It means following his example. It means mimicking his life of obedience and sacrifice. It means being willing to die for the sake of another. That word, that phrase, take up their cross, I found a commentary that said, it defined it. It said, this was used by those who, on behalf of God's cause, do not hesitate cheerfully and manfully to bear persecutions, troubles, and distresses, thus recalling the, the fate of Christ and the spirit in which he encountered it. Can I tell you, the cross was a place of saving power. It wasn't just a place of death. It was a place of saving power. Christ had to die for resurrection power to be realized, and so do we. You see, Christ embraced the cross knowing that it was God's will for him. And when we embrace the cross knowing it's God's will for me to die to having to be right, to die to having the last word, to die to being offended. Can I tell you, I'm going to preach on this next week, but, but I, I was with somebody who said that, that, that every morning she gets up and she puts her hand on her heart and she commands her heart. And, and I, I started to do it, and it's changing my life. That every morning I get up, and, and I stand and I put my hand on my heart and I say, heart, listen to me. I speak to you in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Today, you will love well. Heart, listen to me. Today, you will not live offended because love is not easily offended. Heart, listen to me. Today, you will not keep a record of people's wrongs. Heart, listen to me. Today, you will not take offense. Heart, listen to me. Today, you will not be easily provoked. Heart, listen to me. Today, you will not function out of your wounded. You will not filter everything through your woundedness. Heart, listen to me. Christ came that you would be bound up and mended. Heart, you are bound up and mended. Your broken heart is healed in Jesus' name. I'm doing it and it's changing my life. It's changing my life because we call things that are not as though they were. And every morning I get up and I call this heart that has been broken and has been put through the ringer and I start calling it what it is not. 
and it's changed. Where did I get that? I'm going to preach on it next week. It's going to be a good message, I'm just telling you. But, but I have no idea why I just shared that with you. If anybody knows, please tell me, because this getting old stuff is really not fun. I'm so thankful that my youthful vigor is not diminishing. <laughs> That's a scripture, in case you wondered. <laughs> um, and my eyes are not growing dim, but so to follow. It means one who proceeds to join him as his attendant to become a disciple, to side with his party. Can I tell you, to join one as the disciple is not a church attender. It's a learner. And a disciple learns from the one they're following and mimics their example. Do you remember playing follow the leader when you were a little, little girl, little boy? Uh, you know, you had a leader out front and you followed them and you would do everything that they did. That's what Jesus is talking about. If anyone wants to follow me, this is what it looks like. You're going to do what I do. You're going to mimic me in perfect obedience. Verse 35, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. I, I want to just tell you, I, I know, I, I promise I'm finishing, but you have to hear this. This word save is so interesting. It means to keep safe and sound. To rescue, Lord, help me to say this the way you showed me. To rescue from danger or destruction. To keep safe from injury. How many of you want to keep your life safe from injury? <laughs> how, how, how many of you want to keep it from, uh, to, to keep it from destruction, to, to rescue it from being hurt? Anybody besides me really want, to want that. But, but Jesus is saying, if you want to save your life, if you want to keep your life from injury, if you want to keep your life from danger, if you want to keep your life from pain, you'll lose it. If that's your goal, to live with your life blocked off, your heart blocked off, to keep anybody from injuring you or hurting you, to keep somebody from rejecting you, to keep somebody from offending you. If you're going to live like that, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your life. You're not going to find life. He said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Have you ever heard the expression, I just need to find myself? Dave and I counsel uh, with, with married couples all the time and inevitably, pretty often, right, we, we have people say, I, I'm going to leave, I'm going to divorce him because I need to find myself. And, and they're keeping me from finding myself. I lost myself with them. I don't even know who I am anymore. Can I tell you who you are? And it has nothing to do with a different husband or a different wife. Because whoever desires <laughs> to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. They'll find it. This is how you find yourself, Jesus said. You lose yourself. If I'm living thinking that someone said to me or how they offended me, if, if I'm meditating on that and thinking on that, I'm thinking about myself. And Jesus said, if you want life, lose yourself. If I'm thinking about how I'm feeling and how, how, how somebody did this to me, I'm thinking about myself. And Jesus said, if you want to find life, you'll lose yourself. If I'm thinking about everything my parents did to me and how I got shorted and, and how wrong I'm being done at work and how unfair it is that my husband doesn't help me at home, I'm thinking about myself. And Jesus said, here is the way to life. Lose yourself. Lose yourself. When you give your life away, who said this to me? Angela said this to me last week, and she said, Rhea, when I am feeling bad about myself and I go help somebody, 
I really get life. And she said, it makes me lose sight of everything. And, 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 and because, you see, when you give your life away, you find it. But when you're focused on yourself and how you're feeling and what you're doing, you lose it. One commentator said, perhaps the most significant way we practice self-denial is in how we love and esteem our brothers and sisters in Christ. Self-denial is the basis for Christian fellowship and service within the church. Denying yourself means seeking the good of others before looking out for yourself. Remember the book of Ruth and, and how Ruth followed Naomi and, and she denied herself to, to bless her mother-in-law. And, and how did that turn out for Ruth? Ruth got blessed. And then Esther, remember Esther, how she denied herself and put herself at risk to save her people? That demonstrated self-denial. And look how that turned out for her. Whoever desires to find their life will lose it. So much we do in life is about saving our life, about protecting ourselves. And we build up walls so that no one can hurt us. We isolate from people and avoid confrontation and hard conversations. We numb with drugs and alcohol. We buy bigger houses, nicer cars. And we do that because we think those things will bring us life. But Jesus said, here's the way to life. Lose it. Be willing to give it up for somebody else's sake. That word lose means to destroy, to put out of the way entirely, to abolish, put an end to it, to render useless, to kill. That's what we're going to do to our life. Verse 36, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Barclay says, it is perfectly possible, hear this, it is perfectly possible for a man to gain all the things he set his heart upon and awaken one morning to find out that he missed the most important things of all. What profit, what payoff, what benefit is it if we gain the whole world, everything we've ever wanted, if we gain all of that and then we lose heaven? There are people who spend all their energy and their resources seeking pleasure and they think that that will bring them life, but Jesus makes it clear that we can gain all of those things and have a good life here on earth and lose our soul in eternity. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I've, I felt this all week long. I, I felt like there were even people, I, I said to the Lord, I, I'm going to give a salvation message because I feel like there are people here that you're going through all the motions, but you've never sold out for the Lord. You press like, you're a follower, uh, like you follow social media, but you are not following him, denying self, taking up your cross and, and wanting to obey him and, and, and walk uh, and imitate his example. And I'm telling you, hear me say tonight, what would it profit you to gain this whole world, to be in church and never miss a Sunday, but you're not a follower and you lose your own soul? Please understand how deeply I feel this right now. I am telling you, we are not messing around. There is a hell to, there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, and it's serious business. It is serious business business. That is eternity. That is forever. And where will you spend eternity? And we have to stop playing games. We are not a follower like Kendall's 470, 1,477 followers. We don't follow like that. 
We can't say, I pressed follower, so I must be one. No, Jesus is saying, this is how you follow me. If any man wishes, desires, wants, is determined to come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me that way. Because if you want to gain your, if you want to, if you want to, uh, to gain life, you'll lose it. And I don't want you to wake up one day and, and, and say, what did it profit me to gain this whole world, to have a nicer house and more friends and a great job and a, a great marriage? And what did it profit me to have all of that and to lose my soul? And then he says, and if you're ashamed of me, if you are ashamed of me. See, there are people that, Karen's uh, drama, can I just stick it under my coat so nobody sees it? If you are ashamed of me before man, I will be ashamed of you before my Father. See, in Jesus' day, they paraded their cross. The person who was going to be executed, they had a parade, and, and they, ha they had to carry it down the street. It was, they, they would humiliate them. They would mock them. They'd spit on them. And it was hard work to lug that cross through the streets. But it was a declaration that I'm going to die. And you see, some of you, you know, people say to you, you're weird or you're, you're, you're just strange. Prayed in my cross. I'm not ashamed. You see, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. D do you understand what that means? The word salvation means deliverance. It means rescue. It means prosperity. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the good news of Jesus Christ, because here is what I understand. It is the power of God unto deliverance. It is the power of God unto wholeness. It is the power of God unto prosperity. There is no other way, so I am not ashamed of it. I'm not going to apologize for it. I don't care if you think I'm whacked out. Can I tell you, I have found the way to life, and there is no other. There is no other. This is the way to life. Jesus said, forever is ashamed of me. That word ashamed of me. I'll tell you, nobody wants to identify with a loser. I, I, I asked Don to put some pictures up on the screen tonight because uh, there's, I did not know this. I, I said to Dave, what is a picture of identifying with a loser? Because that's what Jesus is saying. You know, because the world looks at him and says, you know, that's a loser because look at he's giving himself up. He's not having fun. He's, nobody wants to identify with a loser, do you? And, and Dave said, Rhea, the saints, uh, in 1980, the Saints, uh, the New Orleans Saints, the football team, they, they were winless. And, and it didn't look like they were going to be capable of turning things around. And so they called them the Aints. And, and, and there was a local sportscaster who he, had, he, he was known for reporting uh, on the Saints in front of funeral homes or in front of a casket because he would be like, this is the team I'm representing. And so one day he got this great idea that he would put a paper sack over his head in honor of the New Orleans Aints. And it started this, and he said he was going to wear this paper bag because he was ashamed of his team. And he was going to wear this paper bag over his head every game until they won. And so it started the bag heads. And, and you know it's an all through college sports, all through professional sports, that people will put a bag over their head. And it's them saying they're ashamed of their team. They're the ain'ts. And, and so when I said to Dave, 
you know, Dave, nobody wants to be associated with a loser. Can you give me an example of that? And, and he said, oh, that this, this, this one right now. And that was Peter. Peter wanted to serve a Jesus who was the Messiah who came in on his white horse and saved the world and ruled and reigned in glory and dominion and power. <laughs> and that's why he rebuked him because nobody wants to be associated with a loser. This is not what I thought it was going to be like. This is not kingdom, Jesus. You must not be who I thought you were. And Jesus was saying, Peter, it's about losing that you gain. But that wasn't Peter's picture of a Messiah. I, I want to read this to you. This is J.C. Ryle, and it's a bit long, but I want to read it. Salvation is undoubtedly all of grace. It is offered freely in the gospel to the chief of sinners without money and without price. By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But all who accept this great salvation must prove the reality of their faith by carrying the cross after Christ. They must not think to enter heaven without trouble, pain, suffering, and conflict on the earth. They must be content to take up the cross of doctrine, the cross of practice, the cross of holding a faith with which the world despises, and the cross of living a life with which the world ridicules as too strict, too righteous, overmuch. They must be willing to crucify the flesh, to mortify the deeds of the body, to fight daily with the devil, to come out from the world and lose their lives, if needful, for Christ's sake in the Gospels. These are hard sayings, but they admit no evasion. The words of our Lord are plain and unmistakable. If we will not carry the cross, we shall never wear the crown. This was uh, a series we started a number of weeks ago, The Secrets to Living a Victorious Christian Life. I will tell you that I believe that dying to self is one of the most important secrets of walking victoriously in the Christian walk. We must learn to reckon ourselves dead. We have to consider and regard ourselves dead in order to really live. It's one of the mysteries of God. It's one of the, the foolish things of God. But I'm telling you, it works. It works. Ray Pritchard uh, paraphrased this passage, and I love Ray Pritchard. He's one of my favorite preachers. And um, I want to read his paraphrase to you in closing. Now that you know, this is he took this passage that we just read tonight, and he just paraphrased it, having done all the study that we just went through. Now that you know who I am, Jesus speaking, are you ready to take up your cross and follow me? Before you answer, let me warn you that to follow me will seem in the eyes of the world as if you're wasting your life following a loser. The people of the world will never understand what you're doing. They will seem, it will seem to them that by following me, you are throwing your life away. You always have another option. You can try to save your life by following your own desires. Lots of people do that. They live as if their careers were all that mattered. But the people who live only for this life in the end will find that they wasted it on things that didn't really matter. They tried to save it by living for themselves, but in the end they will lose it. They have wasted their lives on trivial pursuits. 
After all, what good will it do if you become the richest man in the world or climb to the top of the corporate ladder or rise to the highest salary level in your company or win the applause of the world? What good will all of that do if in the end you find out it was all wasted? What good will that shiny new red sports car do for you then? Will you be able to trade it in another life? No, you won't. But if you want to live that way, go ahead. Millions of people do. In the end, they will be sorry, but by then it'll be too late to do anything about it. So what then will it be, men? The way of the cross or the way of the world? You've got to invest your life somewhere. What's the best deal you can make? If you live for your career, what difference will it make 10 seconds after you die? If you spend the rest of your life in service for the kingdom of God, the road may not be easy, but 10,000 years from now, you'll never regret your decision. How many of you are familiar with Jim Elliott, the story of Jim Elliott? I, I, I love that story. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Jim Elliott was a student at Wheaton College in Illinois. And he was a champion wrestler. He was an honor student. He was a poet. He, he, and he was admired by most of the students on the Wheaton campus. He dated and married the prettiest girl at the school, and he was the big man on campus. In his studies, he read the, word, the words of Luke 9 that we read tonight and took them seriously. During his senior year, he wrote in his journal these now famous words. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me read that to you again. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So God called Jim Elliott to uh, be a missionary, and he was going to take the gospel to an unreached tribe of people, uh, the, is what the Alka Indians uh, in Ecuador. And so uh, they, they found his journal, and he wrote in his journal, glad to get the opportunity to preach the gospel of matchless grace to, to our God, of our God to a stoic pagan Indian. I only hope that he will let me preach to those who have never heard that name, Jesus. What else is better in this life? I have heard of nothing better. Lord, send me. And send him, God did. Unfortunately, he and four of his associates were killed by the warriors before they could share the gospel with them. Jim gave up what he could not keep. He gave up his earthly life to gain what he could not lose, eternal life. But due to the publicity generated by the martyrdom of, this, of these missionaries, thousands of other young men and women decided that they would go to the mission field and, and go to this group of Indians. And, and so the, the, the widows of, of these martyred uh, missionaries uh, went back and they led that tribe to Christ. And, and so Jim Elliott did not die in Ecuador. Years later, a young man traveling from Ecuador flew uh, on a small plane over that country. And, and the pilot knew of Jim Elliott's ministry and this, this young um, missionary. He, he said, when we fly over the place where Jim Elliott and, and the others died, he said, could you show me that place? He said that to the pilot. And the pilot said, I cannot take you there. And this young man said, why not? And he said, because Jim Elliott did not die in Ecuador. And the young man was perplexed. He said, yes, he did. He, he died in, in Ecuador. The, the Indians murdered him. And, and he said, yes, I know that Jim Elliott died here in Ecuador, but Jim Elliott's body 
died in South America, he said, the pilot. Uh, but Jim Elliott died while he was a college student at Wheaton College several years before when he yielded his life to God no matter what the consequences. No matter what the consequences. Being a disciple requires that we follow Jesus to the cross and being willing to die to self. Jim Elliott died all those years earlier when he made the decision to follow Jesus no matter what. His body died in Ecuador, but he was dead a long time before that, and that's why he could be so effective for Christ. So to flesh this out, if any man wishes to come after me, if you want union with me, if you want intimacy with me, if you want completeness in your life, this is what you'll do. You'll deny self. That means your fleshly desires. That means, that means it's all about me. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I, I, I'm uh, rejected. I feel abandoned. I don't feel like I matter. Nobody notices me. I want what I want. I want to go out and party. I want to have a good time. I want to get drunk as a scar. Me, 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 me. I'm going to deny self. And I'm going to take up my cross. And I'm going to die daily, minute by minute, making a choice to follow the example of Christ, to, to look out not for my own interests, but for the interests of others. And to imitate him in everything I do. That is the way of life. I'm telling you it's the way of life. You can be in the most miserable marriage in the whole wide world and have life abundant because it isn't about what that person can do for you. It's about what you're getting from God. It's about the life that you get in doing it his way. Okay, Lord, you tell me to forgive. I want to slap them silly. But because you say so, I'm going to die to wanting to slap them silly. Am I fleshing it out for you? And, and, and I'm going to take up the cross. I'm going to die to that. I'm going to deny my fleshly desire to get even. And I'm going to love well. Because I'm going to put their best interests before my own. And that is the way to life. I could give you 500 other examples. But does that flush it out for you? Do you see that? And every day, minute by minute, we have the ability to do that. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. I promise you, I promise you, try it. This is the way to life. It is when you lose your life that you gain it. And so this week, I want to challenge you. And, and maybe you do what I do in the morning. And I'm telling you, this is so cool. Heart, listen to me. I speak to you in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. You will not be offended today. You will not take offense. You will not, get, you will not be easily provoked today. You're not going to keep a record of people's wrongs today. You are going to love generously and freely. You're going to overflow with love. You're going to ooze love heart. And heart, hear me, you've been wounded. You've been done dirty. You've been broken so many times. But listen, heart, you're being mended today. And you're not going to function out of that woundedness anymore. You are going to love well. Do you see? Amen is right. I'm telling you, this stuff works. I, I don't preach because I like want to take your time. I, I, I really like to be at home with my man. I, I just I love it. I love being with this guy. Can I tell you, I looked at him today and I thought, there's nobody in this world I'd sooner be with than him. Minute by minute, we deny self.
and we choose God and his ways. And that is the way to life abundant. When I say there's nobody in this world I would sooner be with, it's not because he's perfect. It's not because he never hurt me deeply. It's because I've learned to deny self. And in doing that, God has given me life. And he's changed my perspective on life. And he is not a respecter of persons. His ways work. They work. I asked Megan to close out tonight with a song because I, I felt all week long that there was somebody here tonight who calls themselves a follower, but they don't know Jesus. And so I, I want to just, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. And because I feel like I heard from him this week, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you've just been going through the motions, there's nothing to be ashamed of. But I want to get this right. Because there is a hell to shun and a heaven to embrace. And so if you're here tonight as Megan plays, I want to give you an opportunity to take a stand for him. To say, you know what, Lord, I have followed you at a distance. I've been a follower like Kendall's followers, you know, where I don't even know you, but I'm following you. Or, or maybe you're a follower like I am to that pastor's wife, and you, you know a lot about him, but you are not intimate with him. I want that to change. Or maybe you're a follower like Haley Jessup, and you've been following the wrong person all along, and you thought you were following the right one. Jesus is the right one. No man cometh to the Father except by him, he says. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's a song, I'll stand with heart, something in arms high and heart abandoned for the one who <laughs> gave it all. And, and so I, 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 I'm going to ask you, you know, I've started by saying if you've been a follower at a distance or you've been following the wrong person or you, 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 you know about him and don't know him, stand. But I'm going to call for a stand tonight. That these messages, I prayed, I prayed so hard today. Leslie came over early this morning. We prayed, and we prayed that this word would not fall on deaf ears, that it would penetrate hearts, that it would change lives, that it would transform us. And, and, and so I'm, I'm believing what I prayed. I'm believing that this word penetrated you and that you've heard something and you're making a commitment to leave here tonight changed a little bit, looking a little bit more like him. And so if you heard me, Jesus said, if any man wants to come out, wishes to come after me, he needs to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And he has to lose his life to find it. And he can't be ashamed of me or the gospel. And if that's you tonight and you're going to say, Lord, I'm going to take a stand for you and I'm going to say, I am not following you 
you at a distance anymore. I am making a commitment to be a sold out, laid down lover of yours. And I am making a stand that I'm going to start telling my heart what to do. And that I'm going to deny that flesh. And I'm going to take up my cross. And I'm going to sacrifice for the sake of another. And I'm going to find life abundant. If that's you, as Megan plays, you say, Rhea, that's ridiculous. Do I have to do that? No, you don't. You don't. But he's a God who sees. And I believe that when we make a stand, we send, an, we send a message out in the spirit realm as well. And we say to the enemy, enemy, hear me. I am sold out. I am laid down. I am denying myself for the sake of the gospel. I am leaving here changed and committed. And there's no turning back from me. There's no turning back. So as Megan plays, I'm going to sit down. I'm not going to look. I'm just going to let you stand and sing and make a stand. And this is between you and the Lord. But I hope that you're leaving here tonight saying, I'm going to start trying this. I'm going to see if it really works. It works. I'm telling you it works. I feel this, but I'm going to deny it. And that doesn't mean... You see, I'm, I'm telling you, I denied self all week long because I've been working on this message. But in the morning when I went down to the fireplace, I said, Lord, I just need to talk to you about this little thing right here because it hurt me. And it was wrong, Lord. And, and I'm telling my heart to not keep a record of wrongs. And, and I'm telling my heart not to meditate on it. But I, I just, you and me just need to talk about this. Can you handle this one for me? Because I'm going to get up from this place of prayer, Lord, and I'm going to do what you told me to do, but it doesn't change that it hurts my heart. And so can you, can you help me here? And it's amazing how I would, I would get up from that place. I went to him burdened. I went to him saying, this isn't right. Give me different eyes. And I got up with different eyes. I love this life. It's so supernatural. It doesn't even make sense so cool.